0: Welcome to episode five, I believe, of Toppy Wen, the only podcast you will ever need. I've just downed a couple of paracetamol with today's drink of choice, Foster's, the Amber Nectar. I'm not feeling too well and doing a podcast means that I don't have to set up the cameras and the lights and try to make myself look pretty for people. I don't have to look pretty and pink. You, you can imagine what colours I'm wearing right now if i tell you it's black and white you can at least try and paint a picture in your head as you're painting this picture i want you to paint a picture of a very good looking middle-aged man with a with a large and superior knowledge of music this is the only podcast you will ever need and it's the only podcast you'll ever need because we will eventually, over this course of probably a thousand, two thousand episodes, talk about everything. At the moment, it's very music-centric because people have decided that the knowledge that they like to hear most from me tends to be about, you know, sound. Because they've picked, they said, Mercura number six, the thing that we've realised over the years that you know the most about is music you've got a background in it you tell us you've got a background in it in your background we can see guitars hanging up if you could see anything if this wasn't uh, only in the audio spectrum visual unvisual medium and you've released songs into the world but we can talk about anything here because remember this is just me and you you and i because people will correct you in life. You'll say a phrase like it's just it's just me and this. And they'll go, no, no, it's it's, 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 it's it's you and I. It's they and I. There's a place for me and there's a place for I. And most of the time it's within my own body. I, I need to be with me. I need to be with you. You need to be with you. Just remember that, my Mercedes. If you take nothing away from this podcast, it's that this is the best podcast in the world and you need to be with you holy shit, I subscribed to Disney's streaming service purely to watch Get Back, the Beatles documentary. And I think we are going to end up talking about that. We're going to do reviews of it. I may do uh, stuff on the YouTube channel. I actually want to get Bill Ryan, my long term musician buddy. I want to get him involved in a discussion of this Get Back documentary. But today, We are going to specifically, because this is all off the top of my head, we're going to be specifically talking about group versus solo. In Get Back, which is um, in sort of 1969, January 1969, the Beatles employed this uh, film director, uh, Lindsay Hogg, to film them while they were going to create... An album. It eventually became the Let It Be album. And the end result of the filming was the documentary Let It Be, which was a kind of behind the scenes, how the Beatles create an album. And it was released, I think it was released in 1970. It was pretty much the final thing ever released by the Beatles. It wasn't the final Beatles album because they released Abbey Road. They recorded Abbey Road, rather, after Let It Be. But they released uh, Let It Be, the film, and the album after Abbey Road. The Let It Be film, I don't think I've actually ever really seen it. I've seen clips of it. But it was released, like I said, in 1970. And it was kind of warts and all. Documentary of the Beatles. And everyone who saw it said it showed the end of the Beatles. The breakup of the Beatles. The fact that they hated each other. It was a really grim film. And the Beatles themselves, uh, John Paul Ringo, George, and especially uh, Paul and Ringo over the years, have, especially Paul, I think, have allowed that film to never be seen by anybody. And I th- I think Paul didn't come off very well in the film. I don't think he was portrayed particularly well by the sounds of what people say about this film. And then Peter Jackson, the director of uh, the Lord of the Rings films, which the the, the youth of today hold aloft, it's like their Star Wars. It's like their. I went to see the first Lord of the Rings film in the cinema. I will tell you the story. Let me sip a bit of Foster's. I will tell you the story of that one one day, because it is quite funny. Maybe I'll tell the story. In an episode that isn't centred around music, I'll tell you the story. But suffice to say, I fell asleep and I missed the whole film. But probably for the best. But Peter Jackson, who directed those films in The Hobbit and... Lots of other films that he makes as long as he can. King Kong. He made King Kong about I think it was twenty six hours long, wasn't it? He found the vault, the store where all the film was kept that Lindsey Hogg filmed for the Let It Be film. Now he uh, he eventually just made a one and a half hour film, which no one which no one connected with the Beatles liked, and it was they buried it. <clears throat> but Peter Jackson found you know sixty old hours of film and over 100 hours of audio of these sessions where the Beatles were recording an album or writing the songs for an album. And he condensed it down to eight hours. You know, which is eight hours, honestly. That's quite short for Peter Jackson. The people that are saying it's a real long, drawn-out affair. <laughs> this is short. This is like This is like Peter Jackson making you a cup of coffee and serving it to you in a thimble, a thimble of coffee. He's desperate to serve you a bucket of coffee, but he only actually serves you uh, a thimble of coffee. But I'm not all the way through it yet. I'm, I'm I'm halfway through part two, so don't don't no spoilers. Don't tell me anything, and I'm not going to do any spoilers in this either. Okay. But why I'm saying all this is because the Beatles in this film. They sit together in a room, looking each other in the eye, playing their instruments. Primarily, Paul on the bass, Ringo on the drums. And John and George on the guitars, each of a microphone to so also do backing vocals. And they play, they write and play the songs together live. And when I say live, I mean specifically playing at the same time, because if you then record that in a studio, that's not necessarily live the many albums have been recorded by bands just turning up at a studio and all plugging in together in a room and just playing and the end result it's usually your bands like uh, early Black Sabbath and Led Zeppelin and the Beatles and things but those albums aren't really considered live but they were pretty much recorded live so we're talking specifically about the idea of people playing music together pick your instrument doesn't really matter but playing music together and then I'm thinking about that versus the the standard modern way, which is everyone lays down their instruments individually, which is, let's face it, a method designed to get the best out of the sound, to get each individual sound at its best. So I was thinking back to the old days when I used to write songs and record, and I'm thinking back to the days when I was in bands. And I've got two real points here, bearing in mind the title of the, I think I'm gonna make the title of this so I'm hanging this I'm hanging this podcast on a Beatles album let's hang it on let it be and really it's group versus solo and my two points regarding this the idea of sitting in a room standing in a room all playing your instruments looking each other in the eye and recording when you're all playing together and you're recording a take you have to make compromises and it might be that the singer sings the best version of the song but halfway through the drummer did something bad and that take has to be scrapped or the drummer plays better than he's ever played before but the bassist messed something up and there's a compromise there. Usually the person who holds the power in the band, your Paul McCartney of the band, will will out. They'll listen to it and they'll hear what they've done well and they'll pick that take And the good people can take a step back and possibly pick a take that didn't feature them doing their best. And I've been in this position where I hear mistakes that I made, but overall, everyone else played so well, I'll have to go with it. In an ideal world, there'll be a take where everyone was at their absolute best. But then we go back to the point. You're as good as your weakest link. If you've got a weak drummer and you're doing a complete live take for a recording and you can't patch them in and correct things, you've got problems. You as a band are as good as your weakest link. And it's usually at this point where bands who have formed because they're a bunch of friends and they've all picked an instrument or they've come together in, in whatever way they've come together, there'll come a point where just playing and having fun isn't enough you start to concentrate on what the other people are doing and especially when you're doing those and it can be it's usually the sort of, going back in time before the t- before everyone had recording devices on their phones and videos and everything there was a time where it took a bit of effort to record live to record a take even in a practice room and those days where you'd get someone bring the equipment in the 8 track recorder the 4 track recorder whatever and set the microphones up and you'd all play and you'd usually play and I've got demos of my old bands where we would In the early days, we would play through. We'd set everything up. Someone who owned the equipment would turn up and they'd set the microphones up and they'd say, go. And then we'd just play all our songs through and then we'd produce a tape and we'd sell it at gigs. And Then when you listen to that tape, that kind of one captured moment, that's usually around the time that you start to question the abilities of the people in the band and you are only as good as your weakest link. And then you'll get to the point where It might be your drummer, for instance, just picking something at complete random, which never actually happened. Shh. It might be that you decide your drummer isn't all that, and you might audition other drummers behind your drummer's back (laughs) to try. But you're only as good as your weakest link. So when bands do this, when bands fire members, and they're they're doing it, unless if you're the fired person. And, uh, you know, we might have episodes around that as well. But if you're the fired person, obviously you're not going to see the good side of it. But bands are only as good as their weakest links. And the positive, point number two, the positive um, from live, playing at the same time, looking each other in the eye, pressing record and everything that happens is captured in that moment, is there's freedom for everybody to excel at their individual instrument and evolve their parts if you are a band and you have a drummer and a bass player and a guitar player and a singer you can write songs and the singer can just focus on the lyrics and sing into the best of his ability the drummer can focus on drumming the bass player can Play the bass guitar and think about it and work on it and evolve the bass part, come up with fiddly little bits. The guitar players can play the guitars. Everyone can concentrate on their own instruments without a worry of anyone else's instruments. And yes, you're as good as your weakest link, but as long as you've got an element of competency, there's a chance that you'll produce some really good music because everybody has had freedom to practice freedom to work on their own ideas within a song structure but there's the freedom it can be that the singer or the guitar player or the bass player wrote the song and they presented it to the band but then what can happen is when the band gets together again the second time or the third time the person who wrote the song will hear the bass player play something that he never actually intended And he just thinks, wow, that sounds really good. And it can be that the song itself evolves due to the freedom of having individual people playing instruments together. And without spoiling it, that's what happens in the Beatles documentary. You see a band in a room having fun, looking each other in the eyes, playing their instruments that they've spent their lives learning. But you're as good as your weakest link. A song is written and then the final result is compromise. So then you have the group versus solo dynamic. Solo, the singular artistic vision. Can a singular artistic vision be achieved in a group environment? Can someone having an idea, something they want to express, be captured when you have to use other people? The group dynamic is an interesting one. It's like when you take a group photograph, take a selfie with you all in it, around a dinner table or something. You take the selfie and then whoever's got the phone in their hand, flicking through the various pictures you've just taken, they will usually be trying to select the picture that they themselves look best in. That's what you find. And they'll pick one and they'll go, look at this one, this is the one I'll put on Facebook. And then someone else in the group will look at it and go, hey, you know, I can't use that one. I've got double chin in that one or his eyes are closed or whatever. Everyone's always has a kind of self-interest. So the singular artistic vision is a little difficult in the group dynamic because like I keep saying, you're only as good as your weakest link. And it might be that that recording you do, your music recording, the singer is audibly the equivalent of visually looking great. But the drummer... Has a huge stain down his white shirt, musically. What is artistic vision? And what can you do as a solo artist that you can't do as a group? And when it comes to the Beatles, remember, the Beatles split. And then you had a Paul McCartney solo career, a John Lennon solo career, a George Harrison solo career, a Ringo Starr solo career. And you can kind of judge the group versus solo dynamic by picking, pick the best, why not? Pick the best John Lennon solo album, the best Paul McCartney solo album, the best George Harrison solo album and compare it against Sgt. Pepper or Revolver. What is artistic vision? Words? Am I ever going to say that you can't get words across in a group? If I'm the songwriter, and this has happened to me many, many times, if I'm the songwriter and I write a song and I write the lyrics and I present it to the band... And the band learns the songs and we play them live. The songs evolve, they get recorded. Those lyrics are there, the lyrics that I choose. My singular artistic vision in terms of lyrics and words don't think it really matters whether I'm in a group or solo. Maybe it's easier to do it solo still because there's no one telling me no. But in my experience no one has ever really said no to any lyric i've ever written because on the whole and this this could be the subject of another podcast on the whole just remember that no one cares about lyrics i have never written a song where anyone has ever 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 asked me what it's about ever even my own band members no one has ever asked me what any song I've ever written is about. And many times, the band themselves couldn't even recite the lyrics back to me. But then that's kind of the approach I've taken to the reactions I do on YouTube. To me, lyrics, bearing in mind there's someone else's uh, singular artistic vision, that's what lyrics are. They're from, you can You can have group written lyrics. You can. You can sit around. The Beatles do it a little bit in the documentary. You can sit around with somebody else and come up with lyrics that you you know you both you're both working towards something but on the whole you'll find that someone will write lyrics and because of that it's come out of one brain and therefore it is a singular artistic vision so as a listener it may well be you have a band that you really care about the lyrics and you read them and you learn them and you and you research what they're about but on the whole your average listener hears lyrics just like another sound, another colour on the artist's palette. It's just an equal to the guitar or the drums or the bass or the keyboards or any orchestra. It's a sound. You'll pick out certain words. It might be really obvious. They might be really clear. The chorus might be really clear and sing along. I'm not saying that you don't hear or understand the lyrics, but they're a sound. Even in a group dynamic, the singular artistic vision of somebody's words Can always remain. They can be there. From demo to final version. Bohemian Rhapsody. Stairway to Heaven. Runaway. In fact, I picked Runaway then because I've got in my hand right now... um, This is uh, the vinyl of the record of... uh, The triple gatefold, in fact, of My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy by Kanye West. For a reason I'm going to talk about in a minute. So I've kind of got it out pre-prepared. But Runaway, I... I get accused of not listening to lyrics, or you know, you don't, you're not making any effort to listen to them. You're not, fi- but Kanye himself from Runaway lets his lyrics devolve into noise, and I think in some respects, Kanye West, or Yay, as he now wants to be called, Yay, Yay, and I, Yay and Me, Yay and I, Yay and I, are on a similar plane. Just, just regarding that subject, I wouldn't want to say I'm on the same plane as him. On anything else, I take his money. Mind, I take his money. So the next thing after words, when it comes to singular artistic vision, is music. Now, bearing in mind, in the group dynamic, in the group environment, you are as good as your weakest link. There's something to be said for, in the solo environment, me it was more difficult in the old days in the old days of the studio system You had to book studio time much easier to do that as a band than it is to turn up at a studio just by yourself but in this day of being able to record albums on a laptop or even on a phone anyone can play any instrument it might you might have to use samples but anyone can play any instrument maybe not to a professional standard but people can create sound just by themselves. So I can play the guitar. I can plinky plonk away enough on a keyboard to get my point across. If I have an idea in my head, I'm good enough, as long as it's relatively simple, to record that idea. So if you have the idea of what you want something to sound like, and in the group dynamic, you're as good as your weakest link, in the solo dynamic, you're as good as yourself. You're as good as you are. Now, For me, over the years with my singular artistic vision, I've tended to use a damn good drummer. So it's still a group dynamic because then it's me and a drummer and two people, White Stripes-esque, two people, a band is. But when you're as good as your weakest link and the weakest link is you, then singular artistic vision musically, in terms of sound, I would say is easier for the solo artist than it is trying to get a singular artistic vision across to a band that may comprise weakest links. But when it comes to defining artistic vision, I think the primary factor is direction. You've got your lyrics, you've got your music, but it's the overall direction. It's easier for one person to have a singular artistic vision and to put together a collection of songs for an album that have one direction. Not, I don't mean one, you know, I mean one direction. I don't mean one direction. When I went to New York, I went to New York a few years ago, right? The city that never sleeps, allegedly. Although you try going out at 1am into Times Square and trying to buy a Coca-Cola. City that never sleeps. I went to New York and I was flabbergasted by the amount of one direction posters there were them billboards they were being sold on t-shirts they were everywhere over here at the time they were like this bloody pop stars band or x factor band or whatever they were can't remember now what were they what was one direction on pop star rivals or it was like creation of a boy band was it the x factor can't remember simon cowell thing i go to new york broadway and then i see one direction brilliant the group versus solo. So the Beatles, the group dynamic, four people playing instruments, looking each other in the eyes, recording. You had Paul versus John versus George. Let me say that again. Paul McCartney versus John Lennon versus George Harrison. That's a hell of a group dynamic. And when you're talking about having a direction, just look at what they created immediately after the Beatles: John Lennon's Imagine album, uh, George Harrison's All Things Must Pass, Paul McCartney's you know, Pick. Pick anything. Ram. Very, very different. And yet, when they were in the Beatles, confined into that room, sitting on those chairs, playing those instruments, it's like those diagrams you get of gas in a in a space. Like in a, you you draw a square. And then you draw the circles of the molecules of the gas in it and you put arrows sort of in random directions. But yet they're all trying to get away from each other. Paul versus John versus George. That's the group dynamic. And that's like with every band. What you find is bands tend to split up or members leave with this artistic difference excuse. You know, why did you leave the band? The number 6. Oh, it was artistic differences. It might not really be that. It might be that you went out with guitarist sister. But on the whole, it tends to be artistic differences. Now, if you're not in a band yourself, you might have heard this excuse a lot. And you might wonder, what does that really mean, artistic differences? It means the inability to have a uniform defined direction. I mean, direction is very similar to erection, it language wise, but in reality, they're different. A uniform, singular direction where you know where you're going. And it happens with bands. Listen to Sgt. Pepper by The Beatles. This is an album that definitely had the sound of a singular artistic vision, a unified direction. But it's the same people. It's still Paul versus John versus George. And sometimes the stars align. And in this case, I think it was probably Paul McCartney who was cracking the whip. But the difference between solo and group is that if you're going to have that direction, either all of you have got to be on board or one of you, the one who's trying to steer the ship in that direction, needs to be a damn good captain of the ship or is it pilot? I get confused. Is it a ship's pilot or a ship's captain? It's a ship's captain, isn't it? Come on. I've watched enough Captain Pugwash. So it's kind of like film director versus musician we're all happy that musicians are in bands and bands get together and they're all brilliant on their instruments like the Miles Davis band of the late 50s producing Kind of Blue. These amazing technical players playing, improvising, playing their own things, playing to their own talents. You're as good as your weakest link and when there is no weak link, these albums are absolutely majestic. But everyone's happy that musicians are kind of random and freedom and then you get a film director who has a singular artistic vision and he dictates and he gets everybody the cinematographer the actors he tries to get everyone on board with his uniform direction and then you look at some of these great bands with great albums you pick a great album and you look at paul mccartney and you think paul mccartney in this get back documentary He's, he's basically the film director, the band director. And in that album I talked about, Kind of Blue, Miles Davis, late 50s. Yes, a mighty fine collection of musicians, but perhaps Miles Davis was the film director. And then everything I've just said is so applicable to rock. OK, I mentioned a bit of jazz there as well, but it's so applicable to rock because rock, rock and pop. That's where you have these collections of musicians playing real instruments. Where everything I've said applies. Rock versus other genres. I have been listening to a lot of hip hop and rap music because of my YouTube channel. Where I kind of went on a mission to be a middle-aged man drinking Fosters, the Amber Nectar. Who has spent his life playing guitar. Writing rock songs, recording rock songs, playing rock songs live, listening to ACDC. Never listening to hip hop. Can I be someone who has a history of wearing biker jackets and having long hair and in my background, real background historically and actually in my background, visually, has guitars. Can I listen to a load of hip hop music and can I appreciate it and will I enjoy it? The group versus the solo. These bands in general... uh, I say bands. These musicians in general. Earl Sweatshirt. Danny Brown. Kid Cuddy. The Weeknd. Kanye West. They tend to be, to all intents and purposes, ostensibly, solo musicians. Solo stars. Therefore it should be a separate discussion, shouldn't it? Kanye West versus Fleetwood Mac, in terms of singular artistic vision. But just like we mentioned film director versus musician, perhaps Kanye West is really an artistic director. The reason I got uh, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy out here is because I was going to, I should have done this in advance, of course, I was going to get the poster out. Let me just do it now. We'll get the poster out. Right, here's the poster. I was going to get the poster out because I know the credits for the songs are on this poster, on the back of this poster. I do like the story of, I haven't watched any documentaries or anything, but I know I've sort of heard that Kanye West got everybody to dress in sort of tuxedos while recording this album, you know, suits, ties, like the Rat Pack, just kind kind of uniform, well, a uniform direction visually. So when they look at each other, they feel like they're in a group. You can see what see where I'm going here. But when you look at a song, and I'll just pick I'll pick the first song, just so I'm not sort of um, making an effort to pick one to, to suit my point. But I'll just pick the first song on the album. Right, It's called Dark Fantasy. And it's written by Kanye West, R. Diggs, E. Wilson, J. Basker, M. Dean, M. Jones, Jay Anderson. I mean, I know there's Mike Dean, John Anderson there. And I know that John Anderson's going to be because of the sample. But produced by the RZA, uh, Kanye West, for very good beats. Additional production by Jeff Basker and Mike Dean for Dean's This Productions. Recorded by Andrew Dawson, Anthony Kilhoffer, and Mike Dean. At Avex Recording Studio, Honolulu. And Noel Goldstein at Glenwood Place Studios, Burbank, New York City. Recorded in two studios by two different producers by various producers, mixed by Mike Dean and Andrew Dawson at Platinum Sound Recording NYC, assisted by Gaylord Holomalia, Christian Mukazuku and Phil Jolly, and uh, keyboards Jeff Basker, piano Mike Dean, Uh, cello Chris hitchcock Chawney, cello arrangement Jeff Basker and Mike Dean, Background vocals: Nicki Minaj, Justin Vernon. Additional vocals: Tayana, Taylor, and Amber Rose. Uh, boy, it contains samples of "In High Places" by Mike Oldfield, under license and courtesy of Mercury Records. I'm going in. Uh, written by John Anderson and Mike Oldfield, and published by Blardy Blardy Blah. Right. So I get people saying to me, "You know, oh, you've got to listen to Jesus, man. That's just you can hear Kanye West's singular artistic vision." And then someone, I will say. Yeah, but he doesn't play any of it, does he? He's just, he's just assembling people. No, no, no. But no, he, he. It's he's like the director. He's the artistic director. And that is my point. Just like Brian Wilson when he was recording Pet Sounds, he didn't play all the instruments, but he assembled a collection of people who are all at the peak of their game in their prime. And he sort of told them what to play, or maybe he allowed them to play bits and pieces. Maybe Kanye just assembles. He obviously chooses producers doesn't he and i've noticed this on lots of if i i could do this about anything i'm sure i could open the weekend which i haven't opened yet i've got after hours here still in its cellophane but i'm sure i could open any of these albums i've got around me mad villain uh, anderson pack whatever i've got I've got it all around me here kids ghosts all these different albums are all around me right and what what happens i think in the hip-hop environment is that your named man on the cover assembles a collection of people that he knows will produce the goods it's like a foot- as I'm saying this I realize it's like a football team isn't it you you don't go on the pitch yourself and play against man city or arsenal or chelsea 11 people versus you you buy players you buy your cristiano ronaldo's and people you put them on the pitch and you tell them what to do solo singular artistic vision you're like a football manager a film director an artistic director Kanye West assembles a group of people together that he knows can fulfil whatever vision he has. And then people will say, yeah, exactly, Mercurial Number 6. What you hear on Donda is exactly what Kanye West had in his head. It's exactly what he wanted you to hear. But what you've got to appreciate is that everyone still brings their own thing to the game. Someone will still play something or the sample will still sound a certain way. Sometimes it's happy accidents. Sometimes you don't really know what you're doing, but you listen to it and it sounds good. But when there's one person behaving as a film director or a football manager or an artistic director, that's where you get that one unified direction. The singular artistic vision. The artistic director. That's where you look at like pop art from the 60s. Andy Warhol started that. So Andy Warhol, when you think of Andy Warhol, you think of, Campbell's tin of soup or various pictures of Marilyn Monroe or Elvis. But remember that he kind of created a warehouse with people doing these paintings, these pictures, these screen prints for him. Just people churning art out. Yes, it was under the Andy Warhol name. Andy Warhol became a brand. Andy Warhol wanted to be a brand. You can take that through to today, where you you can buy canvases with dots on them, lots of coloured dots, and it's a Damien Hirst and it'll cost you, you know, a million quid. But when you actually ask whether Damien Hurst of course, it, he signed it. Damien Hurst must have painted it. No, you find it was screen printed by people that he employs. It's under his name. He's a brand. And Banksy, the graffiti artist. Now, it may be that Banksy himself really does go around stenciling graffiti onto walls around the world. But more likely, and I'm, I mean, this is just me talking off from the top of my head, I'm probably wrong on this, but more than likely is that Banksy is a collective, a group, and people go out, they they get prepared, they set up the, the, big, the great big stencils for the art they're going to put on the walls, they work out what they're going to do, they have lookouts, they quickly spray using this technique of the stencils, or whatever they're doing. Yeah. And then someone can believe it's, it's actually one person, Banksy. But it, Banksy is a brand. These people are artistic directors. So, group versus solo. The Beatles sitting in a room, looking each other in the eyes, versus a singular name. Kanye West, producing Donda. I would say they're both fraught with danger. And both approaches can produce audio miracles. You listen to Rubber Soul by the Beatles. Revolver by the Beatles. Abbey Road by the Beatles. Stone Cold Classics. Listen to Imagine by John Lennon. Stone Cold Classic. So to end this episode, I'm not really sure I had a point. It was more a case of watching... The Beatles at work and thinking to myself how, how fun and bad it was when I had bandmates. There were good times, there were bad times. And then when you're solo, when you're producing music in your own home studio, when you can play the guitar and the bass and program keyboards and drums and ship in samples, yeah, there's still good times and bad times, but they're different good times and bad times. Very different good times and bad times. Very different. And on that singular artistic note, over and